Welcome back to the Plugin for More podcast. Today, we're going to be talking primarily about the Tesla destination chargers, how to use them, when to use them. Brian's had a little bit of experience with it here now in the last few months. Uh, we got some road trip stories. Mike sold his mom a Tesla Model Y, and we're going to look at the new Kia EV9. Welcome to Plugin for More, brought to you by EVUniverse.com. EV Universe is your one-stop shop for all things related to the electric vehicle. Here on this podcast, our goal is to educate, inspire, and hopefully make your transition into the electric vehicle marketplace a lot less intimidating. And now, here are your hosts, Mike, Tom, and Bryant. Mike, how was it selling the car? So my mom loves it. Um, at least that's what she's telling me. I think she's being nice in some ways. So my mom, um, I guess backstory on this is I had a 2015 Tesla Model S P85D, which I think on a previous episode, we talked about how there was a small car accident regarding that car. And um, at that time, there for a second, though, sure. every time you yeah. say accident, it implies that it was unavoidable. The reality is that it was a crash and that somebody was at fault. Well, it, I wouldn't say it was a massive crash. It was more like a um, fender bender, very small one. Right. Yeah, yes, I was at fault right. on this okay. one. Okay. All right. Just continue. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But we're talking five miles an hour or, or so. But anyway, so long story short, at that particular time, getting parts was very difficult. And so it was actually easier for me to get a new Model Y than, um, I mean, I still got the Model S repaired, but I would be without a car for a while. So I picked up a Model Y, um, brand new, got really lucky because I got it within like three days. That's another story. Um, however, when I got that car, it wasn't the color, it wasn't the performance like I wanted, that sort of thing. So long story short, that got sold. I moved into a, this Model Y, um, the one that I ended up selling my mother, which was a white on white performance. Beautiful car. Loved it. Um, started getting a little bit too small for our family, though. And at the same time, I came up with my Rivian reservation. So I jumped on that. And um, so don't need the Model Y. My mom has always wanted to get a Tesla. She wasn't sure about not having a screen right in front of her, just having the one um, major interface and that sort of thing. But she saw this white one and she she wanted it. So ended up selling it to her. Now, my mom is in Traverse City, Michigan, right where you guys are at. Um, but I am in North Carolina. So she flew down with my dad and they picked it up. We gave him a small tutorial over a couple days and then sent them on their way back home. And, uh, so she drove just about a thousand miles, her and my father with that on their really the first day driving the thing. And they did, they did great. Um, a couple little things, but I was kind of doing the big brother, um, thing, watching them with, uh, the Tesla app, the whole ride to see how they were doing, if they had, you know, not put the charger all the way in that kind of stuff, um, sure. which happened, you know, just once, but uh, overall it was seemed like a pretty seamless trip for her. So really excited for my mother to be driving a model Y performance. I mean, your mom's not used to that type of performance. <laughs> I don't think most people are. I mean, she's driven some, my mom's been to the BMW like driving school. So don't get me wrong. I mean, she knows how to drive, but, um, I think, she was a little um, a little surprised by actually how fast that vehicle is. And I tried to warn her that it's, you know, in the realm of like a C7 Corvette. I mean, zero to 60. I mean, it's not quite as fast, but it's getting pretty darn close. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be pretty close to what your dad's driving with his Corvette. Have they raced each other yet? No, but, you know, that's, that's always for another episode of this trip, of this uh, 
podcast, we can discuss what that's going to look like. And maybe we should do that. Let's go get them to race, and then yes. we'll just mic them up in the car, I like and just that. have them swearing at each other while they race. I think that'd be great. I think I think we have a plan. I love cool. that. I'm going to call your dad. <laughs> Mike, do they have any problems? Uh, do they have any problems? Because I know Tesla charges are everywhere. Uh, not as much, you know, in West Virginia, but there's like a desert in West Virginia. But how how is that compared to if you're going to drive, you know, your Rivian? How's the Tesla network in West Virginia? Oh, that's a great question. So, um, yeah, going from North Carolina to Michigan, the West Virginia is kind of the that's the one gap. So in um, Charleston, there's a, there's a supercharger and that works out great. And there's I've had no issues and I've made that trip plenty of times. Um, but if you're looking at doing it in something that's not a Tesla, um, it does provide some challenges. So to make that same path, you actually have to go further east and it adds about two and a half, three hours just because of, you know, rerouting if you're going to do it in a non-Tesla. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's definitely one downside. For them, it was super easy. Um, I mean, she just followed the path that's in the car and um, she had no issues whatsoever. But... Again, if we're going to do the same drive in the Rivian, um, I think that, you know, we're going to have to plan that out a little bit differently than what they did for sure. Yeah, I know. I know a bunch of listeners have been commenting on on different groups that we're part of or, or our groups around uh, West Virginia being a desert. So if there's anyone from West Virginia legislature here. Get some get some chargers. Get some chargers. You're hurting people's road trips. Yep, exactly. Well, Tom, speaking of road trips, I think you took a you t- recently took a road trip. How is the Mach E doing? Uh, good. You know, I've I've done a couple with it now. I went to Grand Rapids for one trip back in uh, March. It was pretty cold, and then I just did one recently to Gaylord, and just for perspective for people out in Michigan, for Grand Rapids is about a two hour drive from Traverse City, and Gaylord's about an hour and a half from where I'm at. But the, the temperature makes a big difference for your range and longevity of the car, and um, Obviously, having adequate chargers is important. There is a fast charger in Gaylord, which was really nice to be able to top off at. Um, one of the Electrify Americas will give me the 150 kilowatt hours that we need for the Mustang. Um, but between Traverse City and Grand Rapids, there's really very little. There's a fast charger in Cadillac, which is great, but it's not quite far enough away to be worthwhile. And once you get to Grand Rapids, the fastest I found down there was 120 kilowatt hour, and it wasn't even labeled that on any of the apps. Um, the, the trip was fine, but um, but I think with the the Maki that I have with the standard range battery, I am handicapped a little bit with that that range. And maybe if I was going to be planning on doing more road trips consistently, a bigger battery would be better. Uh, getting up to that 300 mile range mark instead of the 224, but the car wasn't built, bought for road trips, and so I really have no complaints about that. But somebody else looking at it might. So if you're thinking about a vehicle you want to do road trips in, probably steer away from that standard range battery. Yeah, that makes sense. You have to send me where that two, 120 is in Grand Rapids because, yeah, I haven't found any fast ones. The ones I usually use in Grand Rapids are like 50, so 120 is massively <laughs> faster. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, 96 in Plainfield. There's a like a... BP station there that has a charge point charger. Nice. nice. Yeah. Awesome. So Brian, so you've been doing a lot of uh road trips. I think the most recently out of out of the group here. Um especially I mean you having the EV6 
for a while now. Now, I know you've been tra- looking at some, you know, using the Tesla destination chargers, which is, you know, obviously slower than a supercharger, but what's been, you know, how's the adapter working? How is, uh, how's that whole process working for you right now? Yeah, Mike, I'm, so in the, probably the next month or two, I'm going to put probably five or 10,000 miles in my car doing a lot of road trips. Um, so the EV6, to Tom's point, all winter, you know, it was below 30 degrees. I was getting around 200 miles fully charged in range. Now it's nice, you know, spring is sprung. It's nice to see like the 280, even 300 mile range um, back on the EV6, depending obviously on how fast you drive. But what I was, um, what I've really felt comfortable with is all the, you know, chargers, like Tom was talking about the fast chargers. But I think a game changer for me is on my road trips. I'm, I'm spending a lot of time in hotels and a lot of the hotels that I've been visiting have charge point, but they've, they're very, very commonly not working or they charge very slow. So you're talking like three kilowatt, um, three kilowatt hours, super slow. It's going to take, you know, 24, 36 hours to charge. So something I was able to get recently was Electron uh, Tesla to J1772 adapter. And that has been life changing because a lot of hotels have destination chargers for Teslas. And now I can charge up, I'm getting approximately 11 kilowatts, 11 kilowatt hours, which is pretty far, fast. It'll go from 20, 30% to hundred percent in maybe three or four hours. So what I've been doing is plugging in at night on the hotel with that adapter. And um, I, th- I think it's game changer. And, you know, on our website, you know, eveuniverse.com, it's, it's really easy. I just ordered it um, just a few months ago. Go into our website and take a look at, um, go over and, and um, select on parts and just type in, you know, Tesla adapter, you know, Electron J1772 adapter is really what you're looking for. And um, it's totally worth it, Mike. It's it's a game changer on road trips. And even locally here, I do, I do some um, work out to our local gym. They have a destination charger. It's free. And so every time I go work out, I get a free charge. It, you know, replaces maybe 20, 30% of the battery as, as I get a quick workout in. So it's, it's paid for itself. It's, you know, 150 bucks, 200 bucks for the adapter. And it's, it's amazing. I highly, highly recommend it. it opens up to so many more spots for me to charge overnight when I'm traveling. And I'll make sure that if you check in the show notes for this episode, we'll have a link to that charger on our website. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. Definitely. So I think a lot of people get confused on superchargers versus destination. And as we kind of talked about in a previous episode, supercharger is not quite open yet to everyone in the in the country. They're starting to open them, and but destination chargers that is open to everybody right now. So you're not talking super fast; you're talking three or four hours. But an overnight charge makes makes it so much better and super reliable. I will give the test. I've never been to a Tesla destination charger that hasn't worked yet, and so maybe I'm jinxing myself on my next trip. But you just plug it in. You plug it into your car. I think the only difference on the EV6, you have to start the charge from your app. It doesn't start automatically, but it's mm. literally, you click it in, you click start charge, and 10 seconds later, it's charging. So, cool. Yeah, and we use that adapter at our house, too, just because we have a, a Tesla wall connector. And then um, I've used it for the Rivian, um, you know, and, and my wife's Jeep 4xe as well, and it just it's it's a stout um piece of equipment you know that adapter i feel like i could almost run it over and it'd be fine i actually don't do that but uh you know it's 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 been a it's been really good for us we've had ours for quite some time as well yeah i would agree even yesterday i was charging the local gym like i talked about and it's pouring rain 
And I was just wondering, because it's, you know, a connector and it's an adapter. So I was just wondering how it's going to do and no problems in the rain. Not that I would expect it to have a problem, but, you know, just that was one more thing of like, okay, it's not going to have a problem. So um, highly recommended. So another uh, another fun thing I've got for my cars, uh, about a month ago, I got the um, 3D Max Spider floor mats off our website. Uh, again, go to EV Universe. You can type in, you know, the type of vehicle you have, and it will show what floor mats fit. Um, these ones specifically I like because I ordered some cheap Amazon ones this fall. And if you live in a northern climate like we do, they get really disgusting over the winter. And taking these other Amazon cheapos out was was torture. It literally, like, will, will make your hands feel like they're about to fall off in a torture chamber. So... These ones are super easy to take out. I've taken them out multiple times and uh, super clean. Everything underneath is amazing and they look really good. I've got some compliments from people actually. I had some work folks in last week and they, they really liked my floor mats. So as much as I'm geeking out on floor mats, they make a big deal. They make a big <laughs> difference. Yeah, I, I know what you mean on like the cheaper ones. Like we had some of those in our, our Model X and the back of them were these like spikes and it's almost like what you'd have for like a a track spike on the track on track shoes they are super pointy and they just tear your hands up um mm-hmm. and yeah i mean i agree with the 3d max spider ones they're very easy to clean and they look nice and they actually i feel like they give some sound ending as well um you know i'm not sure how much of a difference i'd make but to me they just um they fit really well with the vehicle yeah i put the same ones in my car for the front seat and then in the actually all all rows um i haven't cleaned them yet and i probably should because we went through an entire winter with them and they're getting to look pretty dirty but i've been avoiding it because i just am lazy that's how you but are I'm curious to see how well they yeah, i know i know but uh, <laughs> just waiting to see how well they clean up and then uh guys my last update kind of funny but you know two weekends ago was tax weekend and my ev6 tax credit was the easiest thing i've ever done in my life and it was pretty nice to see uh you know I was probably going to get maybe a $100 refund, maybe roughly around that before um, the tax credit, but it was pretty nice to get the full tax credit. Um, So if you're still thinking on the fence of an EV, obviously we'll probably have to do another tax credit podcast. You know, there's been several changes since we've done our previous one. We have a couple updated articles probably out there as well, but long story short, um, if you're on the fence about, well, I'm not really sure, like, how do I do this tax credit? It took me like 30 seconds using TurboTax, um, you just put in the type of vehicle, you put in the VIN number, and it, boom, you get the money back. It's pretty nice. And Mike, I know you've done a bunch of them. Yeah, my, my addiction problem to vehicles. Um, yeah, so it's, it, it, yeah, it's very easy to do it on your tax return, of course. Um, and, uh, you know, it's nice to, you know, reap that benefit. Um, I, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of politicalness that can get into that, and that's something we're not going to do today on this podcast. But uh, yeah, it's definitely nice to uh, you know get a little bit of that of that money back at the end of the year. Funny story though, I was texting, I was texting Mike, and I was like, "Hey man, I'm so excited! I got this tax credit, and I just have to share." Mike was like, "Remember when we were young and cool, and we we're talking about cool stuff? Now we're talking about tax credits, and we're really excited about it." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that officially put us in the the old boat right there. <laughs> yes, You're excited about your tax credit, folks. Yeah, you are no longer cool. You're listening to the Plug In for More podcast. If you're looking for information on electric vehicles, electric vehicles components, or information on how to reduce your carbon footprint, look no further than EVUniverse.com. EVUniverse.com is your one-stop shop for all things related to electric vehicle. 
So speaking of vehicle addictions, uh, I want to I want to shift gears here because we put out on our YouTube channel. Um, we have a partnership with Tom Volk, and he did a nice preview of the Kia EV9. And um, I'm sure Mike or um, Tom will share out the show notes as well. But it's it's a pretty quick video to watch, but it got me super excited around what might be my next car when the EV9 comes out. But uh, Tom and Mike, I know you guys have have watched the video as well and read up. Like, what are your thoughts on the Kia EV9? Well, I guess my first thought is your next EV is going to be the Hummer. I'm not sure why we're talking about the EV9. <laughs> your wife uh, made it very clear a... what is going to happen, and I don't know why you're fighting this. Let's be Brian's wife. Next <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, the EV9's sharp. Like, I, I don't. I'm not surprised by it. It's. I think on brand for what Kia has been doing and you know, it's got all the things you'd expect from it. Like I've been impressed with the EV six and I know that the platform that is built on this can be pretty robust with Hyundai and Genesis and Kia, and it's going to be the platform for a lot of vehicles. So they've invested in it and it's, I think it's impressive. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing for me, I mean, I, I think it looks super sharp and, and almost all the new Kias do um, at least for me, they, you know, they're uh, one of the better looking car companies out right now i mean they, their styling is is top notch but when i look at the different um large suvs that are coming out for evs there's one there's really not that many there are a lot of more smaller cars because obviously battery factors in on that you have like the, the rivian r1s um you have the tesla model x but you don't really have too many you know large suvs so this is one that's going to be out there so that's a really good benefit but the other cool thing is how fast these things charge we've already seen it with the kia ev6 the ionic 5 this is you know going to be the same um and when you have a larger battery which is what these things are going to need you know that speed of charge is a huge benefit for these road trips so i think that that in and of itself i think is going to sell a lot of these things but i mean it looks darn cool in the Phone is a key feature, which is really cool. Does your EV6 have that, Brian? So my phone works as a key. I can open the car and do a bunch of things, but I can't drive it. So I believe with the mm -hmm. EV9, you can use it to drive it as well, which yeah. would become in handy. And the Mach-E has that. Yeah. And I think most of the new ones do. Most of the new cars. I mean, the Rivian has it. Tesla's have it. Mach-E's got it. Yeah, it's... It's like, there's been a couple times where it, I've had to put in my passcode into the car in order to get the car to start. And that's like the backup if you're like phone to die or you lost your phone or your key, but um, it's really pretty reliable. Yeah, I would love that. Um, you know, obviously I already said it's it's a car I like. It might be my next car when I'm done with the EV6 in a couple years. What I love about it, though, guys, is it's got light show headlights. You can, like, do a light show with them. I mean, it's a little gimmicky. We talked about the, uh, you know, DeLorean giving you a hug. Like, but the light show is kind of cool. Um, you know, it's got this second row center console. So, like, center console, like, goes all the way back mm -hmm. to the second row, which is cool. Um, we talked about the styling. I think it looks like the Telluride, but cooler. And uh, and then it's got, it's got kind of, like, more advanced. I would say my EV6, pretty good highway cruise driving system. I'd say not super awesome, but I think this this one has a more advanced um, software, which is more similar like Super Cruise, and it's still zero to sixty in five seconds, so not bad. I don't have any yeah. I don't have anything I don't like about it yet. Yeah, I mean I think they've got another hit on their hands, frankly. I think it'll do really really well. But like yeah. the Telluride, can they make enough of them? I mean the Telluride is done really really well, and uh, 
you know, always winning some award. I think this is probably going to be in the same boat is my guess. Yeah. 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 Well, and so Mike, you hit on something, you hit on the bigger, you know, SUVs and the EV market, you know, guys, I'm shocked to read that the Chevy Bolt is being discontinued at the end of the year because that currently is the cheapest EV in the marketplace and, um, or one of the cheapest, you know, if you look at the Chevy Bolt, um, EUV, so the, the better, you know, higher range, uh, you know, premium option It's the base price is 27,000. You throw in a tax credit and you're talking about a 250 mile range EV for 21,000, like very surprised they're discontinuing it. And especially in Q1, they sold 19,000 units, but from everything uh, we're hearing from GM, they are switching the production factory to go towards bigger EVs. So the Silverado EV and the GMC All Sierra, All Sierra all electric pickup trucks will be there uh, made at this factory. And then also later this year, GM's also pushing out the new Trailblazer EV, I believe, from the same factory. Um, so what are you guys' reactions to the the demise of the bolt. I think it's it's disappointing in a lot of ways because um, that is something that I think the EV market needs to um, move into. And I know it's you know Tesla's dropping their prices. You know a lot of people are upset about that, especially people just bought their cars. But there's a huge need for lower priced EVs. There's really not many on the market, and that one fit. A, I mean, is it a really good option for a lot of people, and I. Got a lot of questions about that car, where it fit, where it didn't. Um, and frankly, the fact that they're getting rid of it kind of stinks. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's a smaller vehicle, lighter vehicle that has decent range. It's going to be more efficient typically. I mean, everything else being equal. So the fact that you get rid of it and you're moving towards, you know, the pickups and that sort of thing. Now, I, granted, I think you should do it across the board, but just to get rid of it, um, you know, I'm sure there's other things going on on that production line that we're not privy to, but um, you know, again, I was disappointed with the number that they sold and, and how well people like driving that car. Um, you know, I I wish they'd have kept it around, but maybe they've got something uh, behind the scenes going that they're going to surprise us with. Who knows? Right. I mean, you've got the Blazer EV coming, the Equinox EV coming, the Silverado. I know those aren't the same size. I think you're going to see a wider range of people being interested in those larger vehicles, even if they're five or 10 grand more, it's going to, I think, hit a, a larger population than the bolt. Like you said, we don't know the, the master plan here. We are just speculating at this point. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it all turns out, but you know, I mean, they're, they're not, they're not dummies over there. So I'm sure they've got, um, they've obviously done their market research and what's going to sell and what's not. And they're moving right most of if not all of their uh production over to evs anyways over time so you know we'll see how it all pans out for them yeah my guess is the bigger just like suvs the bigger trucks and suvs that gm's switching to will probably have a nice you know a better profit margin for gm i mean it's pretty i can't imagine the they're making a ton of money on the bolt just because it's i mean it's a nice car for twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> really, it's a really nice car for twenty thousand dollars, right? Yeah. And the Silverado is going to be what seventy five, seventy, somewhere around that. I mean, I feel like the markup, the the margin is going to be a lot bigger. So, uh, Tom, you and I were talking the other day, and uh, you were responding to an EV fire that was at least it was it was told you were told it was an EV fire. 
you tell us about this massive EV fire that you responded to? Yeah. So whenever like a 911 call comes in, like we get, sometimes we get really good information from the people calling. Sometimes you get garbage information, but this call gets put in as a, an electric vehicle fire and it's just along the side of the road. Um, I was the closest car to it. So I went, I'm curious, obviously with what we're doing here with the podcast and my other job, I, I'm, this is right in my wheelhouse. And we know from our own research that EV fires are very rare and that they, if they actually do happen, it's probably something to be seen. So I go. Um, I wish I could say that I was surprised when I showed up on scene and it was a 2013 Lincoln MKZ hybrid. And the fire was emanating from the trunk area, probably from the contents of the truck, but nowhere near being anywhere in proximity to the, the hybrid battery, which would be under the back seat of the car. Um, so the fire department was there and they put out what was on fire, which was probably just some, honestly, the, some junk that was in the trunk. Forgive me for that. And, nope. um, <laughs> and that, that was the end of it. Like it gets put out of this EV fire, it stays an EV fire and like no one really knows anything to differ from it. But it was because like people that were calling on one for whatever reason knew it was a hybrid and they panicked. They said, oh my God, my, my electric vehicle's on fire. Like, oh, well, not really. But the reality is as a, a gas car is about 50 times more likely to catch on fire than an electric vehicle, which kind of reminds me of a story that we're looking into about the National Corvette Club that was banning E-Rays, the new E-Ray from its competition events, solely apparently because of fire risks posed by vehicles that have lithium-ion batteries. Yeah, Tom, this one's surprising to me. I think uh, it's like your EV fire, quote-unquote EV fire, I think this one is grounded in um, fear and misunderstanding of, you know, lithium ion batteries, because not only is this um, Corvette E-Ray banned from club events, they have it must, they state that it must be parked 30 feet from all structures and other vehicles. So, I mean, you're talking about this thing being treated as if it's got leprosy or some sort of, you know, disease <laughs> that's going to go on to people, right? <laughs> uh, but like honestly, you're not that. I mean, you're not that far fetched. Thirty feet I from mean, every, as far as what they're everyone? thinking. It's, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you better watch out for your Costco parking lot because, like, they're just going to light you on fire. Apparently, um, this is. I mean, that's ridiculous. And if that's the case, my garage is toast. It's just kind of. I don't want to call it fear mongering necessarily, but it's just this idea. Like, I think it's it's change, and it's probably scary, and and we maybe cut this out but i just view it as a bunch of old guys that are really set in their ways and like their front engine corvettes and anything that deviates from this heritage that they think is the absolute truth is not okay with them and it needs to be distanced yeah i mean so like here's here's just some rough math i'm not i'm not great at math but i looked up some stats for this last year there was approximately 117,000 vehicle fires, or sorry, not last year, the last five years, approximately 117,000 vehicle fires per year. Uh, we don't know how many of those exactly were hybrids and EVs, but if you stay with me on this train of thought here, there's approximately 250 million registered vehicles in the United States. About 6 million of those are hybrids or EVs, so 2%. So just doing rough math, if you take 117,000 vehicle fires per year, and you say 2% of those are, are EVs or hybrids, you're talking about 
a tiny percentage. Um, so I think you, you, you talked about it, Tom, like vehicle fires are 50 times more likely in gas powered vehicles than, than EVs, but people are scared of them. I, I can uh, see that people are scared of change and new things. And it's probably really embarrassing to have your fancy Corvette get spanked by a five door sedan. <laughs> I think that's well, not a Y coupe. I think that's, you might be onto something yeah. there. <laughs> uh, my guess on these things is they, yeah, they do not want a hybrid going in there. Cause I think that um, E-Ray is going to just spank them, especially in the corners. I mean, instant, that instant torque. There's a reason why if you look at the um, like Model 3, if they've just had some suspension components <laughs> updated on them, are doing really, really well on a lot of those road courses. And I think if you throw a hybrid in there with a Corvette and you take some of the down, small downsides of that um, of that setup, I mean, they're going to lose a lot of races. But... You know, looking back on some of the updates to it, they some of the members apparently reached out because I think this was a Motor Trend article saying that it was um, the local fire department showed up to a battery fire at a similar event and they refused to put it out and just let it burn, which caused the event to be canceled. And so that apparently that uh, organization would like to avoid future scenarios like that. So you know so maybe there's more to the story than you know we're we're you know making fun of, fun of them for anyways like anything else there's always two sides to each story and you got to dig in to find out what the real answer is so lotus has a new suv prototype out the lotus electre i don't know is that how we say it electra electri electra there's no c I don't know. there's no c how, do you, elect- how do you get electra there is no electra electre In any case, case, Lotus has a new SUV that we don't know how to pronounce its model name, but I don't love the looks of it, but I think if it has all of the hardware underneath the skin that's going to make it perform like a Lotus, I'm all about it. I I think it looks a little bit like, uh, how do I say this nicely, a cheap version of the new Ferrari SUV. (laughs) Uh, Maybe that's... That's not. The, I mean, it's. it's it, I think it'll be a cool car. I mean, it definitely has the power to. I mean, my gosh. I mean, the it's got six hundred horsepower in the standard version and over nine hundred in the uh, their R version, which is going to be their sport version. Um, that's anytime you're talking six to nine hundred horsepower, yeah, that's pretty substantial. I mean, it's not quite as much as in a Model X Plaid, which is over a thousand, but. So, Mike, you were talking the horsepower, 900 horsepower. That's that's fast. Um, you know, they're promising 0 to 60 around 2.9 seconds. Uh, you were just talking about the uh, the Tesla Model X, you know, pla- uh, Plaid, 0 to 60, 2.5. That's, that's very similar and close. And uh, the other thing that Lotus is talking about is uh, Level 3, which I know we haven't talked a lot about in a podcast, but it's very similar uh, autonomous driving, full autonomous driving. So... Really, a, really an impressive vehicle from just the stats. I will agree with with what you guys are talking about. The styling doesn't get me super excited. Not like the EV9 got me super excited. This thing could be ugly, in my opinion. But we'll see. We'll have to see. I mean, photos don't do it justice. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it's got a uh, like the rear wing is active. Uh, I don't know if you guys see that, but that's yeah. a, like the back end of the car looks a little bit like the Kia EV6 as far as how it's sloped. But then it has 
like an active rear spoiler. And I don't know, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, and it seems like it's got some interesting colors too, which may make, you know, make everything a lot better. Um, I guess we'll see. Yeah. The front has a weird overbite too. I'm not a big fan of the, the overbite front. We'll see. I'm excited, guys. We got a chance to sit down and catch up and go over some of our news here and get a fresh episode out for people. And we're going to be continuing to get fresh episodes as we go forward into the spring and the summer. Um, one of the ones we really want to get up and running here, hopefully sooner rather than later, is going to be an update to the tax credits. There have been changes since our last episode on it, which we published back in September. So we're hoping to be able to get that out here in the near future. And, of course, we're going to bring you all the other current news and happenings in the ev space as we move forward as well gentlemen i appreciate you being here good seeing you guys thanks guys thank you for listening to plug in for more make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes in the meantime check out the one-stop ev marketplace eveuniverse.com until next time